Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. Hey, we're in a series that we're calling Healthy Relationships. And I believe that God is speaking to us through this series I believe he's doing great things and going to continue to do great things. Week one, we talked about becoming a friend of God. And uh, I believe that's the ultimate goal for all of us, to be God's friend. Second week of the series, we talked really about how to be a friend to others. Uh, We talked about the golden rule, do to others as you would want them to do to you. Today, we're going to continue this series. We're going to talk about the family of God. And one thing that Tasha and I... Um, not, not, we're going to talk about your family, how to build a strong family. Next Sunday, we'll talk about how to build the family of God. But today, I want to talk with you about something that Tasha and I are very passionate about. Tasha and I have been married quite some time, and we, don't always, we haven't always had the, what we would say would be the strongest family that we could ever want to have. We've had a good family, but there's been elements of our family where we're like, hey, we could be stronger here, we could do better here. And so several years ago, we started getting intentional about being a strong family. We didn't want to just have the appearance of being a strong family. We want to be one. And so we started um, studying things. We started reading books. We started having conversations. That's a great way to grow, just to have conversations. We started having conversations. Um, We started, we talked to counselors. We sought wisdom. We talked to friends. We talked to people that have great marriages and have great families. We tried to model after them. And so we feel like we are currently in this season of our life as strong as we've ever been as a family. And we feel like we're experiencing some great days as a couple with kids and we're excited about what God is doing. And so what I want to do today is I want to talk with you about how to have a strong family. And please hear me today. If you're here and you're single, if your family is not a part of the body of Christ, if you say, Pastor, I have no family. I'm going to get to you at the end of this message and speaking of that, but I want you to know right from the beginning, you're a part of our DC family, and we love having you, and I believe today's message will speak to every single one of you, but I don't simply want to talk to you about how to have or build a strong family. Here's what I want to challenge you with today, and I want you to write this down. I want to challenge you to fight for a strong family. I want you to fight for a strong family, because... Having a strong family, listen to me, it doesn't just happen. Strong families, listen to me, strong families don't happen by accident. They don't happen by accident. By accident or due to a lack of planning or due to a lack of intentionality, families are average. And listen to me, that your family no longer has to be average. You can have the strong family that you want to have if you're willing to fight for it. You have to put some skin in the game. Several thousand years ago when the children of Israel were uh, under attack, not, not so much the children of Israel as we see from Genesis or the book of Exodus or things like that, but when the families of Jerusalem were under attack, let's say it that way, Nehemiah, who was a cupbearer to the king, he decided he'd have enough of it and he wanted to do something about it. And he challenged the families to fight for their families. And one of the things I noticed is when Nehemiah challenged them to fight, he didn't just say, hey, dads fight. He didn't say, hey, married couples fight. He challenged all of them. And I think that's the key. To me, the key to a strong family, the key to a family that you dream about, I believe, is that every family member engages in the battle. Every family member engages 
in the battle. Let's look at it. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. This is our key verse this week. It says, I stationed armed guards at the most vulnerable places of the wall, and I assigned people by families with swords, lances, and bows. And I just feel quickened in my heart. Here's what God's saying today. Destiny Church, I'm stationing you in vulnerable areas as strong families, and I'm going to use you to make a difference. And I believe that. And after looking things over, this is Nehemiah, I stood up and spoke to the nobles, the officials, and to everyone else. Don't be afraid of them. Put your minds on the master, great and awesome. But listen to what he says. Then fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your homes. He's saying today that your family is worth fighting for. Your family is worth fighting for. Don't just give up and say, well... It will never change. Don't just give up today and say, well, it will never be different. It's too late. He's too hard-headed. She nags too much. Whatever you might think, whatever excuses you might be tempted to throw out there. Listen to me. I want to say this today. Your family is worth fighting for. Your family is worth fighting for. It can change. It's not too late. Listen to me today. I want you to capture this. You can have the family that you've always dreamed of. You can have the family you're praying for if you'll be willing to intentionally fight for it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come before you this morning and I I ask you right now to be in this room and I ask you to speak clearly today. Give me clarity of thought and clarity of speech, God, and help me to navigate through this word. Give each of us ears to hear and a heart to respond because we believe you're going to speak to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what I want to do is I want to talk with you about four traits or four qualities of strong families. And one of my most passionate prayers for Destiny Church is that we would be a, fam- a, a church that has strong families. I don't want to just appear to have strong families. Because how many of you know you can look at households and think, man, they have it all together, but then you get behind closed doors and you realize they're crumbling and they're not what I thought they were. No, I don't want us just to appear to be healthy. I want us to be healthy. I want us to have strong families. I want when people think of Destiny Church, they think of strong families family, strong marriages, strong kids, strong relationships. So let's look at this. Four qualities of strong families. Number one, strong families play together. If you're not a note taker, take notes. Shame on you. Strong families play together. If you know anything about my family, I mean, let me rephrase this just a minute. If you know anything about Tasha Blancett, that is my wife, if you do not know that. I think she's helping back in kids in this service. But anyway, if you know anything about Tasha, she likes games. There she is. Everybody give it up for Tasha. She's walking in late. There we go. I will pay for that later. But anyway. Now, if you know anything about Tasha, she likes games. Therefore, Chad likes games. How many of you men know what I'm talking about? Oh, you like that, honey? So do I. No, my family, we like games. We like board games. There's a reason they're called board games. Taking a minute. Some of you just got it, but anyway. No, this week, my daughter is uh, right here, lovely daughter, and she's, a boy has found his way towards our house. And he is our student pastor's brother, and we're not so sure... When I hired you, that was not part of the deal, okay? That was not part of it. You didn't tell me 
that this was going on. But anyway, he's made his way to our house, and so Tasha's three times this week he ate at my house. I have to start charging him rent. But anyway, <laughs> but Tasha's like, you know, we made dinner and all this, and she's like, we're going to play games. And I'm like, I don't want to play games. I want to watch the Cardinals. So I'm watching the Cardinals, and they're sitting around the table playing games, and Tasha's like, Chad, you want to play this game? And I said, no. And I got the look. How many of you men know what I'm talking about? The look. Just kind of this, with her, it's kind of like one eye raised, the other one down. It's kind of, I'll play the game. I will play the game. I played. I won. But anyway, our family plays yard games. That's why I don't like playing because I'm so good. But anyway, our family plays board games. We play yard games. We play card games. We went on an epic road trip this year in an RV. Tasha decided that, you know what, hey, we're going to not be bored in the car. And so she bought games that you can play in the car. Bingo. I don't know what all kinds of games. I'm driving. I'm not sure they were real enjoyable, but they played them. Not only do we play games, we have four children, three of them being boys. Those, there we go. Did you guys see that? Lights went out? Anyway, got distracted. But anyway, we, like, we have four kids. Three of them are boys. One of the things with three boys, we played a lot of superheroes. A lot of superheroes. Malik, our five-year-old, he loves costumes. The other day, he, no lie, he came in with at least four costumes on at the same time. Like Incredible Hulk on top, Iron Man, Captain America, and like some weird tiger suit. You know, it's like, who, what are we doing? And he wants to play outside. Son, you're going to die of heat stroke in four costumes. We've played army guys. We play football. We play uh, baseball. We play kickball. We play basketball. Whatever it is, we like games. We have played those. You think of it, we've played it. One of the games our family loves to do is hide and go seek in the dark tag. Turn out all the lights and go hide. It's really interesting when you have a little guy that he's like, you know, you walk in a room, it's dark, and he hears you. He's like, I'm right here, daddy. You know, it's like, okay, you're not catching the concept of the game. But one of the things I've noticed about strong families is strong families are fun. Strong families laugh. Strong families are playful. I want you to write this down. Strong families enjoy life together. You want to be around families like this. They're the, they're the life of the party. They're fun. They're the ones that make everybody laugh. But I think in the world we live in today, today's families are too busy. We're too, we're too tired we're too busy or too tired to have fun. We're too negative. We're too critical. We're worn out. We're serious. We're selfish. And, and if you really begin to think about that, who wants to come home to that? Strong families play together. Listen to me today. Your house is not a boot camp. You are not the drill sergeant of your house. And your kids are like, that's good preaching, Pastor. You are not the, your family is not a business. You are not the CEO, the chief enforcement officer. You need to be the CFO, the chief fun officer. You're not the chief enforcement officer. Yes, the Bible talks of working hard. I believe in working hard. I believe we shouldn't be lazy. I believe we should earn what we get. I believe in that. 
I work hard. My parents taught me from a young age to work hard. At the age of 14, I had my first job. I worked in a, at a farm in Highlandville, Missouri. He'd pick me up in the summer a couple days a week, but every school year on Saturdays, he would pick me up, and my job was to scoop poop. That's what I did. My parents literally called me a PPO. They would tell their friends, you know, Chad's got a job. He's a PPO. And that was just it. And they're like, well, then they dig out. What is it? He's a professional pooper scooper. You know, I mean, I mean, it's just they made up this name for me of what my job was, you know, and that was what I what I did. But I scooped poop out of a barn. Why? Because my parents want me to understand what hard work was. Tasha works hard. My daughter works hard. Our 15-year-old son works hard. He works for a, a farmer in the church. We wanted him to understand some of what his dad went through. And he's told me multiple times, your son is the hardest working young man I've ever seen. We want our kids to work hard. We got two other ones. We're not so sure if they're ever going to get it. We will hopefully one day get it there. But the Bible tells us to work hard. But also, I believe strong families, not only do they work hard, but they play hard. Look at Ecclesiastes 8.15. So I recommend having fun because there's nothing better for people in this world than to eat, to drink, and to enjoy life. God wants you to have fun. God wants you to enjoy life. How many of you remember recess? Anybody remember recess? How many of you remember playing recess? Some of you don't. You can't raise your hand because you're too old to remember that far back. But that's okay. My dad over there doesn't remember that. But anyway. But how many of you remember recess or stations or playtime at school? I, I loved recess. Malik, our five-year-old, he's been in preschool and kindergarten for two days. Come home, his favorite thing so far is recess. But I remember as a kid when that bell would ring, it meant you could put your pencil down. You could stop working. You could stop doing the math project. You could stop listening to your teacher read, whatever it might have been, and you are getting ready to have fun. Don't you wish there was a bell for us as adults that rang like two times a day that reminded you, hey, it's time to have fun. Whether it be at work or whether it be at home, don't you wish there was a bell that would ring to remind you, hey, you need to stop doing this. You need to get in the floor and play. Hey, you need to laugh. Hey, you need to enjoy life. Because I think some of us, we take ourselves too seriously. I love what Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. He said, put your hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Put your hope in God who wants you, listen to me, to enjoy life. He doesn't want you to merely endure life. He wants you to enjoy it. And the truth is, too many of us, we just endure life. Take whatever comes our way. We endure it and we're not enjoying life. God wants you to enjoy life. Ecclesiastes 11.8 says this, people ought to enjoy every day of their lives no matter how long they live. Are you getting this today? God wants you to enjoy the one life that you have been given. You have one life. You're not guaranteed amount of days you're guaranteed one life. For you, that might be 50. That might mean 100 years. I don't know what that looks like, but we're guaranteed one life. So my challenge to you is enjoy the one life you've been given. But as you enjoy it, number one, put God first, as even Paul said in 1 Timothy. Pursue God. Put your hope in God. Make him number one in your life. But as you make God number one in your life, don't forget to enjoy life. Our purpose statement at Destiny Church, pursue God. Love life. That's what I think 
we should all do. How many of you in this room have kids? If you have kids, raise your hand. Raise them high. A lot of us in this room have kids. The Bible, I don't know if you know this, but the Bible says your child or your children are a gift from God. Now, some of you think, can I return that gift? You know, some of you are the masters at returning gifts. I remember as a kid, that was my mom. She was a master at returning gifts. She could take any, she could wear it six months and take it back and convince them to take it back. I, I, you shake your head, but am I preaching the truth? Yes. Am I preaching the truth? I am preaching. But you pass that gene on to her over there. But anyway. The Bible tells us our kids are a gift from God, not a gift that you should return, but a gift that you should cherish. Cherish your children. Relish every moment. Don't wish for the day that they get out of your house. And maybe I say that because I've got so many children, they're never going to get out of my house. Literally, Tasha and I figured it out the other day. When Malik graduates high school, she will be 33 years old. There's a real good chance she'll have children of her own. I'll have a child walk out as I have grandkids walk in. But don't just endure your children, cherish every moment, play in the floor. I'm so thankful that not only do Tasha and I enjoy life with our kids, we, I've been my boy's coach. This year, I did not want to be the five-year-old's coach. My wife said, you will be his coach, I'm his coach. But anyway, but I'm so thankful. My parents played with me. My dad, when I'd come home from school, he would come home from a long day of work. Dad, will you play ball with me in the yard? He'd play ball with me in the yard. Guess what he does with my boys? He plays ball with them in the yard. We go to Tasha's parents' church. Her dad, you find him laying in the floor playing with his kids. Malik did not want to come home from Nana and Papa's house yesterday because Nana and Papa were playing with him. I want you to enjoy life, cherish the memories of your children. Tasha and I, as we've started to be intentional about enjoying life, but as we've been intentional about growing our family and, and having a strong family, we've tried to put things in place to remind us to have fun. Several years ago, I think it was about four years ago, we put something in place called the Suburban Express. You say, what is the Suburban Express? Well, Tasha, is, is, if you know anything about her, she's one of the most creative people out there, and she's, she's always trying to think of something good to do. And when she does it, she does it over the top. And that's one of the things I truly do love about her. She's like, hey, I don't want to just take our kids to see Christmas lights. I want to make it a memory. So we're like, okay, what are we going to do? She's like, we're going to let the kids go to bed. And we're going to let them go to sleep. But she says, we're going to wake them up and we're going to take them and see Christmas lights and they don't have to go to school the next day. So the kids are like, you can take me anywhere as long as I don't have to go to school the next day. You can take me to the doctor's office. I don't care. But anyway, so she's literally like, all right, we're going to do this. But when she does it over the top, she gets each kid their own snack basket. They've got popcorn, their own drink, their own candy. And we go in, and we, Malik was about 10 months old at the time. And so she's like, hey, I'm going to hire a babysitter to come in because we're not going to take the 10-month-old. So it's just about the three older kids. And she says, we're going to do that. So we hired a babysitter. She came, and she stayed at our house from like 10 to midnight, you know. And we took the other kids, and we went, and we looked at people's Christmas lights, the Suburban Express. Guess what we do now every year? The Suburban Express. We don't even own a Suburban anymore, but it's still called the Suburban Express. Another thing we started doing, just to make memories, Christmas time every year, you know, we'd, we would buy so many gifts for our kids, and I would get done, I was like, we spent all this money, and they don't remember anything we bought. You know, you could go ask my kids, hey, what'd you get for gifts last year? I don't remember. 
They remember the box or the, pa- or the paper. So we said, let's make memories. Not only do we want to buy our kids something, but let's make memories. So we've taken a couple trips. A couple years ago, we went to Colorado and went skiing and sledding and did that. You know, Tasha's like, hey, let's, let's just, instead of a trip, let's, let's buy them tickets to a concert. Hey, let's buy them tickets to an event. Hey, let's buy just you and Mariah, you, you and her go somewhere. Why? We want to make memories. Another thing we did this year, we did the epic road trip, two weeks in an RV. We, we wanted to kill the truck, and there was a time or two we might have wanted to kill each other and our kids. We were not a strong, there was moments we were not a strong family. We were, we were tempted by Satan, and we had to tell him to get behind us at times. But anyway, we had a great time on that. Our kids, our truck broke down, we got in a few arguments, but you put six people in one truck, you will get in arguments, you know? But guess what? We made it, and our kids, I guarantee you, when they're in their 30s, when they're in their 40s, they'll say, you remember that first road trip we did? Our kids will remember the memories more than they will the speeches. They'll remember the memories more than they will the speeches. Last challenge for you before I go on to the second thought for you today. As strong families play together, I want to remind, I want to remind you, be intentional about this. Be intentional about making your house the fun house. And I mean that. Make the, your house be the house that everyone wants to come and hang out at. And I'm going to say something here. You're going to think I'm sarcastic, but I'm being very serious here. If your house is the fun house, I'm coming for you. Why? Because I don't want anybody to want to go to your house more than they want to go to Blanchett house. If your house is the fun house and my kids want to go there, I'm figuring out what you're doing and I'm going to up it. You're giving them 50 bucks, I'm giving them 100. Whatever it takes, <laughs> we'll figure it out. Why? Because I want the Blancet house to be the fun house. I want my kids to want to be in my house. So be intentional about it. Number two, strong families. Number one, they play together. Number two, strong families grow together. I'm so glad that Tasha and I are better at growing families. And some of you, when I talk about growing families, you're thinking, you're right, dude, your quiver's full. Ah, yes, we do have a lot of children. It's because the lady over there can't keep her hands off of me. But that's just a whole other message. We'll talk to couples about that one. But anyway, no, I'm so glad that we're better at growing our family or better at growing our kids or better at growing our marriage or our relationships than we are at growing potted plants. We cannot grow plants in our house. Let me, she can't. I don't do plants, but she can't grow them. Potted plants, if you ever think, you know what, I want to do something nice and buy something for my pastor's wife, don't don't be cruel to plants. They come to our house to die. They, they, They just come there to die. They do not grow. I'm so thankful that we're better at at growing people than we are plants. But when I was thinking about this, I thought of my grandpa Blance and my dad's dad. He was a tremendous gardener. He did a great job. He, he would work that garden. He would till it, and he would grow epic vegetables. I remember seeing things that people would brag about and talk about what my grandpa did. And one of the things I've discovered is I think gardens are a lot like strong families. You have to tend to a garden. You have to tend to a strong family. You have to water a garden. You have to take care of watering your family. You have to pull the weeds in a garden. Sometimes you have to pull some weeds in your family. We're not sure if this boy hanging out at our house is a weed or not yet, but we're not sure. (laughs) It takes time. You have to develop it. You have to fertilize it. And strong families do that. They're intentional about growth. 
Strong families, please hear me, are intentional about growth. And strong families never stop growing. Never. Listen to me. You can't, you can't say, well, I'm an adult. I can stop growing. No, the moment you stop dying, I be- growing is the moment you start dying. Mom, you cannot stop growing. Dad, you cannot stop growing. Son or daughter, parents, you cannot stop growing as a spouse. You cannot stop growing as a parent. Strong families never stop growing. And you have to be intentional about it. You have to have a plan. If you're not intentional, if you don't have a plan, if you don't have a strategy, you're not going to grow. Here's what I, let me say it this way. When you are not intentional about growth, you find yourself living by default rather than by design. What do I mean by that? When you're not intentional about growth, you live by default. You take whatever comes your way and you just let it happen and it sends you and it steers your path and you go wherever that takes you. Why? Because I'm living by default. But when you live by design, no, I've got a plan. No, I've got a purpose. I've got a reason for what I'm doing. We've got family values. We are not going outside of those family values. When you have a, when you're intentional about growth, you live by design rather than by default. Strong families are intentional about growth. I love watching how Jesus grew, and you're thinking, well, this is Jesus. No, look at what Jesus did in Luke chapter 2, verse 52. And Jesus matured, growing in both body and spirit, blessed by both God and people. Another translation says it this way. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and and in favor with God and in favor with man. I want you to notice today four ways that Jesus grew. Jesus grew intellectually. He grew in wisdom, right? Scripture tells us that. You can never stop growing intellectually. Jesus grew physically. Jesus grew spiritually. And Jesus grew socially. If you think that Jesus grew those ways, don't you think we should? If you want to experience better days as a family, listen to me. Every single person in your family needs to be growing in these four areas. Listen to me. Not just throughout the year, but every day. If you want better days, if you want to experience holistic health, grow in these four areas every day single day. Let me ask you a question you need to ask yourself and you need to ask of your family. Are you growing in these four areas? Am I closer to God today than I was a year ago? Am I closer to my spouse than I was a year ago? Am I more loving? Do I know more today intellectually than I did a year ago? Have I read anything? Have I studied anything? Have I fed my mind? Have I grown? Have I developed? Have I done anything for my body? Are you growing? Are you intentionally growing? If you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor Chad, we've not been intentionally growing our family. And hearing you talk today, we would like to make this a priority. But we're not sure where do we start. How do we intentionally grow as a family? What I want to do is I want to give you four ways a family grows. Real quick, two of them will be positive, two of them will be negative. And I want to encourage you, number one, we grow a family through example. These are two positive ways we grow a family. We learn best by example. Your kids, your spouse, your siblings, your parents, they don't need to hear another sermon. They need to see you live it out. How many of you remember show and tell in school? Anybody remember show and tell? You bring something, you show people, you tell them about it. Man, in preschool, that was difficult because they did it by the alphabet. And so we're like, okay, we got to come up with something that starts with K today. Hey, you want to name your animal? You know, let's start it with Kite, you know, I mean, whatever. I mean, we're just like figuring out things we could do to have for show and tell. But I think show and tell is something we should start doing in our homes. You see, what do I mean by this? Let me explain. If you want your kids to read the Bible, don't just tell them, show them. 
If you want your kids to grow in their relationship with God, don't just tell them, show them. If you want your family to be in God's house for church, if you want that to be a value, like our family, we love God, that's one of our values, and we're going to do God things, well, guess what? Church for us is not optional. You say, well, you're a pastor. No, it's not optional. We're going to show our kids that that's valuable. You want your kids to do something, you show them. You want your kids to be loving to your spouse. You want your sons to be loving toward their mother. Guess what you need to do as a husband? Show your sons what it means to love a woman. Show and tell. You want your kids to respect their spouse when they get older? Show your kids what it means to respect your spouse. Don't talk down to her. Don't talk down to him. You want your kids to love each other? You want your kids to love you? Then show them. Show and tell. Lead by example. Lead by example. Dave Ramsey said this. Your kids will be a reflection of how you behave. Show them how to succeed. Don't just tell them. I think the greatest show and tell verse in the Bible is the verse we looked at last week. Do unto others as you want them to do unto you. It's called the golden rule. Show them. You be the model. Number two, the second way that we grow positively is through conversation. Intentional conversation. Conversation about real issues. When I talk about conversation about real issues, listen to me. I'm not talking about the schedule for the week. I'm not talking about the dinner plans. I'm not talking about the movies. I'm not talking about, hey, here's here's the sporting events that are happening. Here's our calendar. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about real issues, real conversations. Let me ask this question. If you're not having conversations in your house about real issues, who is? If you're not having conversations in your house, and listen to me, sometimes real conversations about real issues are uncomfortable. If you're not having conversations about real issues, who is? Because somebody is, I promise you. Somebody's having that conversation. Who's having those conversations with your spouse? You say, my spouse isn't cheating on me. That's not what I'm saying. Someone or something is having a conversation with your spouse. It could be social media. It could be your boss. Who's having those conversations? Is it your child's teacher? Who's having, here's what I want to say to you. Whoever is having those conversations with your spouse or your children, listen to me, or your family, that's who's growing them. Do you hear me? Whoever's having those conversations about real issues, be it social media, be it a teacher. And we have great teachers here at Republic. And I'm thankful that we have, we have godly leadership within our schools as principals and superintendents. It's amazing to watch. But man, some of the stories I hear about some of the schools, I would not want my child to be in some of those situations. Who's leading your children? Who's leading your spouse? Someone is having that conversation. I love what Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7 through 9 says. Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you and then get them inside your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to the time you go to bed at night. Are you guys having real conversations, real life-giving conversations about Jesus in your house? Are you having conversations that shape them and grow them? Or is your family just another business exchange for you? That was two ways that help your family grow. Example, conversation. Two ways that negatively impact growth. Don't criticize. If you want your family to grow, stop criticizing. 
I don't know when and where we started thinking that being critical and nagging and complaining towards someone would help them grow. But I don't know about you, but criticism does not work for me. It's not how I'm wired. You want to criticize me or be critical or condemn me, you're going to watch me shut down. But if you want to help me grow, you're going to come to me, hey, here's an issue, but here's some positive thoughts towards how we can fix that. I don't do criticism. I don't do it. That's not how... I'm wired. I don't think for any of us, being critical or condemning or criticizing has ever worked. I don't think nagging works. Nagging doesn't work. Condemning doesn't work. Criticizing doesn't work. Why? Because I believe that devalues people, and we don't like to be devalued. Add value to the conversation and watch people around you grow. Ephesians 6, 4, great example. Fathers, don't exasperate your children by coming down hard on them. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. What's that saying? Dad, stop criticizing your son and hoping it's going to change him. Dad, stop nagging at your son. Mom, stop nagging. Dad, stop criticizing. Stop complaining about your spouse. Take them by the hand. Do unto others as you want them to do. Show and tell, be the example, model it. You want to grow your family? Stop criticizing. Is this good preaching or what? I think it's pretty good. Thank you. But anyway, you have to stop criticizing. A second way, if we want to grow our family, we need to stop comparing. Stop comparing your family to other families. Stop comparing your kids to other kids. Stop comparing your spouse to another spouse. Stop comparing your parents, whatever it is. It's not healthy. It's not wise. It's not beneficial. It's, it's unfair. And I believe comparing is lethal to relationships. Comparing does not work. The best advice I think I can give anyone in this room today, and I want you to write this down, stop using social media as your barometer. On social media, all you're seeing is everybody else's highlight reel. Stop comparing. Stop complaining on social media. Stop comparing on social media. Stop criticizing passively, you know. Stop. Stop comparing. Stop it. Before I get to number three, I want to share another verse with you. Matthew 5.45 says this. This is what God does best. He gives his best. The sun to the warm and the rain to nourish. To everyone, regardless the good, the bad, the nice, the nasty. What does this verse mean? It means that God gives good things and bad things into everyone's life. Old school translation would be it rains on the just and the unjust. It rains on my family. We have bad things happen in my family. You have bad things happen in your family. People that don't know God have bad things happen in their family. It rains on the just and the unjust. Why? Why does it have to be a, why does bad things have to happen to me? I'm a pastor. Why does bad things have to happen to you? You're a child of God. Shouldn't God protect me? He does. But we live in a, in a world that is broken because of sin. And bad things happen in this world. So next time, next time it rains on you, next time your washer breaks, next time something happens contrary to the way you think it should happen in your life, stop getting mad at God, number one. But stop thinking God's punishing you. Stop thinking God's disappointed in you, God's mad at you, or God's given up on you. No, every single person goes through storms. Your family will go through storms, relational storms, moral storms, financial storms, physical storms. Everybody goes through storms. You cannot go through life without storms. And when you're going through storms, I think you're going to need some people in your corner. And I think that's what strong families do. Strong families provide protection. 
Strong families provide protection. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says two people are better off than one, for they help each other succeed. In the storms of life, listen to me today, you're going to need some people to help you get to the other side. And no matter what family member is going through a storm, at that time, they're going to need you. Hear this. I wish, at times I've thought I wish that we would all go through storms together. You know, it's like, we have six of us, I wish we were all having a bad day on the same day. I, I, I changed my mind. I think if all six of us were mad at each other on the day, same day, we'd either be suicidal or we'd be murderers. You know, it's just like, I mean, something, you know, it's just like, if we're all having a bad day, who's going to be there to pick you up? See, strong families pick each other up. When you're having a bad day, a family member can be there to pick you up. A, a trait I've noticed in strong families is they cover each other. They're there for each other. They stick together no matter what. They don't splinter. They don't tear apart. They don't attack each other. Men, women, kids, please hear me. Write this down. Strong families protect each other. I think we do a bad job of this in the body of Christ today. Ladies, you get around your girlfriends and you talk poorly about your husband. That's not covering him. That's not protecting him. Men, you get around your friends and you talk negatively about your wife and how she's this and how she's that. Guess what? That is not protecting your wife that God gave you to honor and to cherish. That is not covering her. That is not honoring her. That is not treating her as Christ treats the church. I'm so glad that in heaven they're not sitting around whispering bad things about me. We build each other up. Strong families protect each other. Strong families cover each other. I'll tell you, when I was going through a dark season in my life just a few years ago, and if you've been here, you've heard me talk about it, I'm not going into anything on my story. But one thing I, I don't know that I ever did was I, I never thanked my wife publicly. When I walked through the darkest season of my life, that lady right there was there for me before anybody else was. She was the brunt of my anger, the brunt of my pain, the brunt of my frustration, the brunt of my depression. Everything that was going on, she took it. She didn't tell anybody. She, she, why? Because she wanted her husband to be protected. Even for my own children, they didn't know for a long time. Why? She wanted to honor me. And I told her first service, and I tell her again, thank you for protecting me. If it hadn't been for her, I wouldn't be standing here today. Other people joined in, other people helped, but it started with her. I would not be standing here today if my wife had not protected me. And strong families do that for each other, no matter what. Listen, your family will face storms. Your kids will, your spouse will, your parents will. The question is, how will you respond to those storms? And number four, and I close, strong families love God and serve others. Remember this week, this verse from week, chapter, week one, Hosea chapter six, verse six says this. I don't want your sacrifices, I want your love. I don't want your offerings, I want you to know me. That's God's ultimate desire for his family, that we would know God and that we would love God. And as we get to know him more and love him more, listen, in return we love and serve others. Strong families love God. Strong families love each other. And strong families in return love others. Just about every strong family I've ever seen in my life, look at them, look at strong families. They are generous and they serve others. And did you know when you love and serve others, you're actually loving and serving God? See, so what are you talking about, Pastor Chad? 
Let's see what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25, verse 37. The disciples are like, how did we treat you that way, Jesus? How did we give you clothes? How do we give you food? And Jesus says, when you served others, you did it to me. So listen, on a Sunday morning, when you're holding a door open for somebody, you're doing that for God. When you're standing in a parking lot, as some of you did this morning as it was raining, and you're holding a sign up, and you think this is insignificant, no, you're doing that for God. When you're in the back and you're, and you're cleaning a diaper of somebody else's child, you're doing that for God. When you stand on a stage and you sing a song, you're singing for God. When you serve others, you serve God. When you love on others, you're loving God. When you love your spouse, when you love your friends, when you love your family, you are loving on God. As believers, I believe we are called to love and to serve others. And as we do that, we influence them and we show them who Jesus is. One of our models at Destiny Church is every outreach we do, we want to do that with no strings attached. What do I mean by that? You're not going to hear me standing on a stage and saying, hey, before I give you food, hey, before I give you a backpack, I'm going to preach the gospel of Jesus to you. No, we're going to live out the gospel. And that's what we should do as the body of Christ. We should live out the gospel. And when people see you, they say, what's different about you? Then you have the opportunity to share your faith and to share your story. Love God. Serve others. I close by saying that strong families are not perfect. But they are intentional. You don't become a strong family by accident. You become a strong family by being intentional. And my challenge to you today is no matter how you walked in this room, you can leave this room different. You can fight for a strong family. Before I go any further, before I say another word, some of you are here today and your family isn't in church or you have no family. Maybe you're, maybe you're like, man, my parents are dead. My, I have no siblings. Maybe you're here today and you say, man, Pastor Chad, I, I'm divorced or whatever. And you think this message is great, but it doesn't apply to me. Listen to me, everything I've said to you today is not just about your blood family. It's about the body of Christ. And Destiny Church, I not only want you to have a strong blood family, I want you to have a strong church family. Because I believe we're stronger together. So if you're here today and you're single and your family lives out of state or out of country or you don't know anybody, welcome to my family. Welcome to my family. I want my house be the fun house. I don't care what everybody else is doing out there in their churches. And God bless them. And they're great. And I pray for them all the time. But I want this church to be the fun church. I want this to be the place that all the people want to hang out at. Why? Because they feel loved. And they feel honored. And they feel welcomed. Strong families. Play together. Grow together. Protect each other. And serve together. Let's pray. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.